Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Partners in Health and Biz with your host, Gail Dixon. Tune in every Saturday, 9 a.m. for great shows about obtaining and maintaining health, business, and finance. Learn from the experts here at PIHradio.net. And now, broadcasting from the Partners in Health and Biz studio, here's Gail. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning to you. Welcome to my show. Welcome to Partners in Health and Biz. We are broadcasting live on the PIH Radio, www.pihradio.net. And today, in case you haven't been to the website, our show is Get the Facts About Alzheimer's Disease. Get the Facts About Alzheimer's Disease. And I have a very special guest joining me this day, uh, today in studio, and she is none other than Miss Eileen Rosenthal. Eileen is the program director for the Alzheimer's Association Greater Maryland Chapter, where she provides leadership and direction for the development, implementation, and evaluation of associate, association programs and services, public policy and advocacy initiatives. Prior to joining the Alzheimer's Association, she served as the director, as the deputy secretary for the Maryland Department of Aging, where she contributed to the development of public policy in the areas of aging and long-term care reform. And so we are going to have a wonderful show this morning. And without further ado, I am going to open up Ms. Eileen Rosenthal's microphone and welcome her to Partners in Health and Biz. Good morning, Eileen. How are you? Good morning, Gail. I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, good. So happy you could join me this uh, this morning to get up early and to come on the air and talk to my listeners about such an important uh, condition, disease, Alzheimer's. And uh, so we we definitely want to thank you for that. Um, and so we know that you are the Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Aging. And uh, I'm sorry, you were, and you're currently the uh, director for the uh, the program director for the Alzheimer's Association. So tell us about the Alzheimer's Association, Eileen. What is the mission of the Alzheimer's Association? Okay, so first I just want to thank you for bringing this very important topic uh, to your listeners and for the time you're dedicating this morning. So the mission of the Alzheimer's Association is to eliminate Alzheimer's disease through the advancement of research to provide and enhance care and support for all who are affected and ultimately to reduce the risk of dementia through the promotion of brain health. Okay, okay, and that's... um that's a lot, a lot for that mission to, to take on, for the um, association to take on. That's a, a, a big, <laughs> a it big is. mission it there. It is, but, you know, mm-hmm. research is the only way we're ever going to be able to put an end to this disease. And while people are still dealing with it and living with the challenges of it every day, uh, it's very important to provide services to families that are affected. It's a tall order, heavy burden, so anything we can do to lighten that burden, um, we are very pleased to do to help families, provide information, education, and 
other services. And then the other big piece of that mission is um, reducing the risk of dementia through promotion of brain health, which increasingly the research is showing that there very much is a lifestyle relationship and there are things people can do that can lower their risk. So we feel it's very important to get that information out there and help people understand actions that they can take where they can really take control of their health and help reduce the risk of later cognitive decline. Absolutely. So most of us, I would say, know someone who has what we call Alzheimer's or dementia. But exactly, can you explain to my listeners exactly what is Alzheimer's disease and how is it different from dementia? Okay, well, first let me say dementia itself is not a specific disease. It's it's an umbrella term that describes a range of symptoms, including decline in memory and other thinking skills, that are severe enough to reduce a person's ability just to perform everyday activities. Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. It it is the most common type. Um, It is a disease. It is progressive. It is a fatal brain disease that causes dementia symptoms, including memory loss, um, unexpected behaviors, uh, problems with decision-making, even wandering. Um, As I said, it's the most common cause of dementia and probably accounts for about 60 to 80% of dementia cases. And the other important thing to note is Alzheimer's disease is not a normal part of aging. Okay. Okay, yeah, most of us think that that's what's going to happen. Eventually, you know, as we age, a lot of folks believe that, well, it's inevitable. Uh, Maybe if you don't get Alzheimer's, if you don't come down with the disease in your 60s or your 70s, surely by your 80s and 90s you'll have Alzheimer's disease. So you're saying it does not depend on your age. There are other factors that would uh, create or cause you to have the Alzheimer's disease. It's Like I said, it's not a normal part of aging, but age is the biggest risk factor. So the okay. older one is, the higher the likelihood is that they could have it. For instance, mm-hmm. if, if in people who are 65 plus, it's about one out of 10 people who would have it. But by the time you get to 85, it's closer to one out of three. So it is associated with age, but it is not a normal part of aging. Okay, okay. Um, I know my mother, she's 90, <laughs> and she still is fully, yes, yeah, she's still fully functional. She um, has her apartment. She um, makes out her own bills and pays and takes care of her own uh, financial uh, information. Of course, we check and make sure everything is correct. <laughs> but um, but uh, she's fully, she's right there. She's fully uh, together mentally and uh, so so we haven't had to worry about her yet, so she's doing quite well. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Eileen, we know about the, uh, that Alzheimer's is all over. You know, people all over the uh, United States and other countries have Alzheimer's. In some countries, it's not as, as much maybe. But how prevalent is Alzheimer's in the state of Maryland? All right. Well, first let me say, talk about the United States. Over um, 
nationally, there are over 5 million people um, who are 65 and older who are living with Alzheimer's disease. In Maryland, that would include 110,000 people. And wow. unless there is a medical breakthrough to prevent, slow, or even cure Alzheimer's disease, by 2050, the number is projected to grow to 14 million nationally. So this is um, a big deal, and uh, we are working very hard to see if we can reverse course on this. Wow, that's like an <laughs> epidemic. Oh, my goodness. It's like well, it is people a walking crisis. around not knowing who they are. <laughs> you know? It is a public health crisis, and we are looking at ways to use the public health infrastructure to help raise awareness help people understand what risk factors they may have some control over and and how they can take that control and try and change that trajectory. Okay. And we we appreciate that. That's great. Uh what kinds of services since uh we're talking about the Alzheimer's Association exactly what kinds of services does the Alzheimer's Association provide? for people, um, I guess not just in in the state of Maryland, but in the United States? Yes, there are chapters covering every part of the United States, and we do provide a lot of services. And the absolute worst thing I ever hear is when someone says, oh, I wish I would have known about you when I was a caregiver. So, again, thank you so much for bringing this information to your listeners. So as far as the services, the most important thing people should remember is our 24-hour helpline. And that is a number, a toll-free number, 800-272-3900. And that number you can call any time of the day or night and talk to a live dementia expert. And the questions can be anything about caregiving. It could be someone maybe who needs a list of uh, services, uh, adult daycare or some other service, or maybe a caregiver is having a particular challenge. Maybe she's worried because she sees her loved one is very agitated and she doesn't know how to calm him down, and she's just looking for some help and some guidance. So we can provide any answer to almost any question, even if someone calls and says, I think, Dad, there's something wrong with Dad. We all know it, but he's in, he's saying he's fine. Is there someplace we can go to get a diagnosis? His his doctor says, oh, he's fine, but we we know better. We think something's wrong. So we have lists of geriatricians and neurologists and diagnostic centers. So really almost any question that someone might have, we can answer that. And it's 24 hours, and uh, the staff who answer the phones, we have bilingual staff who can speak in Spanish, and other languages may also be accommodated. So it's a very, very important resource that people should just write down and put it, attach it to their refrigerator so the number is there. Now, okay. As, right. as far as other, other, <laughs> um, other services include things like support groups. We have over 60 support groups throughout the state. And, you know, a caregiver going through this sometimes feels very alone and isolated. And unfortunately, what sometimes happens is when a loved one is diagnosed, Sometimes the very close people in their network don't quite know how to respond or what to do or how to say, and inadvertently they do the worst possible thing, and that is to be less 
available unless present. And then they feel they're kind of standing there on an island by themselves. So support groups are a great way for caregivers to just be with other people, hear what they're going through, share what they're going through, and just get support from other people, exchange ideas, and it's just, you know, it's just a wonderfully mutually supportive environment for people. And as I said, we have them all over the state. We even have some for, <clears throat> forgive me, younger onset individuals. Um, mm-hmm. We have some that are for people recently diagnosed that are not necessarily younger. So there are different kinds. We have a support group that's led by a um, bilingual Spanish language facilitator. Um, we have a support group at Chase Brexton that mm-hmm. is there for the LGBT community. So the support groups are just a wonderful place for people to go and get some support. Now, they I want to talk I about <clears throat> education programs. One of the biggest challenges people have as a caregiver is just not understanding the disease because everything about this disease, it just not, it's not an instinctive disease. Everything that you think is the right thing to do is usually wrong. And, you know, in the old days, we used to think if, you know, mom said it's snowing out in August, that the proper thing to do was to correct her and say, no, mom, it's August, it's hot out. But we Mm -hmm. now realize it's better to go into their reality than to try and expect them to enter ours. And so if mom says it's snowing out in August, you want to say, oh, let's go look at it. Look at that. It's so beautiful. Because if you argue, one, she might get upset, she might get agitated, and then five minutes later she might talk about the snow again. So it's not going to accomplish anything. So our education programs teach people about the disease, how it progresses. We have different, about 10 different nationally developed education programs that mm-hmm. some just talk about the basics, understanding Alzheimer's and dementia. <clears throat> we have one called Know the Ten Signs that really gets into the difference between well, what's normal aging and what's not. So, if you, you know, how many of us have you know, walked into a room and said, what am I here for? And that's pretty right, common. Right. I've done yeah, it. We've yeah. all done Especially it. Especially when you're um, rush, rushing, you know, rushing right, around, right. not even concentrating, right? <laughs> but most of us are able to re- reconstruct, you know, our steps and go, oh, right, I went to go get my wallet and then go about your business. Well, a person mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's probably cannot reconstruct their steps. Or maybe, you know, we've all lost our keys. Sometimes we put them down and we forgot where we put them. Or we have our phone. Where's our phone? And you have to call it from another line to see <laughs> right. where it is. <laughs> right. That's okay. We do that, mm-hmm. especially, like you said, when we're rushing around. But mm-hmm. a person with Alzheimer's might not be, you know, it's not that they can't find their keys. They might not remember what the keys are for. Or they put the keys in a strange place, like the refrigerator. You know, Mm. we might put Mm. our keys down on the counter or by the door, but, you know, a person with Alzheimer's could put them in a strange place and have no recollection of where they are. So our education programs help caregivers really understand the disease so that the caregiver can be strong and and not get upset when these things happen and know that it's normal and not to try and convince the person to put their keys in the same place every day (laughs) because that ship has left, you know. Right, right. 
<clears throat> so we're going to um, have a little break right now, um, Eileen. I want to, uh, at this point, I have to tell my listeners, in case they're just tuning in and not to cut you off, you can continue. But we're at the 15th, the halfway mark. <laughs> I know time goes by <laughs> fast. Um, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Partners in Health and Biz. The topic this morning, Get the Facts About <clears throat> Alzheimer's Disease, with my special guest, Eileen Rosenthal. We're going to have a little PSA here and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. If you want to grab some water, you have about 30 seconds and we'll be right back. Flowers are beautiful things, but they become even more beautiful when they're carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's, a disease that currently has no cure. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands walk carrying different colored flowers signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Register today at alc.org slash walk. Welcome back. You're listening to Partners in Health and Biz. I'm your host, Gail Dixon. The topic, Get the Facts About Alzheimer's Disease. And I'm here with my special guest, Eileen Rosenthal, and she is one of the uh, directors with at the uh, Alzheimer's Association uh, for the uh, state of Maryland. And so, uh, Eileen, I know you were right in, I think you were almost at the end of uh, letting us know about the different services uh, that the Alzheimer's Association provides, the wonderful services, and you gave out the uh, 24-hour helpline, which if, if you're just tuning in, the 24-hour helpline for the Alzheimer's Association is 1-800-272-3900. Is that correct, Eileen? That is correct. Okay. All right. So there, so, there are me... other services, Gail, so people mm-hmm. can find mm-hmm. out about those services, uh, including care consultations, early-stage programs, uh, safety. We even help connect people with clinical trials. We have something called okay. Trial Match. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, our website has great, great information on it, alz.org. Right. So if if you want to know about all the services, just visit the website, alz.org.org. So, Eileen, where are, the, um, where are we? You know, this is so important, uh, critical to everyone in the United States, whether we're, you know, <coughs> aging or we know someone who is aging and could possibly um, eventually come, you know, be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Where are we with funding for Alzheimer's research? So nationally, it's the National Institutes of Health in the federal government that has the budget for Alzheimer's research, and that budget is currently $1.9 billion. Just five years ago, it was slightly over $500 million, so the amount has almost quadrupled in this time. And and as far as uh, fiscal year 2019 is concerned, both the House and the Senate Budget Committees have approved at least a $400 million increase for fiscal year 19, which would bring the total to $2.3 billion. And this is just amazing. It's great. It's not enough, but it's finally getting the recognition it deserves. When you think about five years ago, it was just $500 million in research. Now, as right, the world's right. largest nonprofit funder of Alzheimer's research, the Alzheimer's Association is committed to accelerating the global effort to eliminate Alzheimer's and also funds research. Mm-hmm. Currently, the association 
is investing in over $110 million in nearly 400 uh, best-of-field active projects in 19 countries. Um, we also convene an international research conference every year that brings about five or 6,000 researchers in from all over the globe, and they're mm-hmm. sharing information. And, and, and so, again, we're, we're the largest nonprofit funder of research in the country and globally. And, in fact, to date, we've invested over $400 million in research projects, some of which would not have been considered fundable by the federal government, but we were able to take some risks. Um, a good example of that is the, the imaging studies, the dye that's used that lights up the, the pathology in the brain. That was something that was initially funded by the Alzheimer's Association about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, wonderful, wonderful. At least we, we are progress. We are progressing, and um, so, and what what kinds of things are you hoping to accomplish at the federal and state level going forward? Well, worldwide, there is a huge quest to just find new treatments to stop, slow, or even prevent Alzheimer's disease. Uh, drugs in development are trying to, to interrupt the disease process by by impacting on one or more of the brain changes associated with Alzheimer's. Um, until recently, most of the clinical trials have tested potential therapies in people living with the disease. But right now, the consensus in the field is a need to move treatment interventions earlier and, and research studies earlier in the course of the disease in order mm-hmm. to have the most beneficial impact. Um, so yeah. Alzheimer's prevention studies are probably the most exciting research right now, and that's testing to see if we can intervene with people at high risk of Alzheimer's, uh, not right. people who have a diagnosis, but people who are believed to be high risk of going on to get it, uh, to see if we can change the course of the disease. Now that we have the imaging technology that allows us to see the disease in the brain of a living person, it's really changed the whole focus of research. The other big thing we are looking at, <clears throat> and there was some very exciting news that came out of our international research conference this summer, is just looking at lifestyle and the associated risks for cognitive decline. So for mm-hmm. the, the first time, a large randomized clinical trial has demonstrated a significant reduction in the risk for developing mild cognitive impairment and dementia through aggressive treatment of high blood pressure. So those of you who are dealing with high blood pressure, get on it, treat it, make it go, make your blood pressure go down. It's, the research was so compelling because historically we've considered people with a, a systolic of 140 or over to be people with high blood pressure that we would begin treatment for. In the study, mm-hmm. they treated people who had a systolic of 120 or over, and the results were so compelling in terms of the, reducing their risk of cognitive decline and even beginning to reverse some early signs that they stopped the study because they thought it was unethical to withhold treatment to the people who weren't getting the more aggressive treatment. So I mm-hmm. would suspect that over the near future, there could be some redefining in the medical guidelines of when to start treating high blood pressure, which would be a oh, really yeah. good thing in terms of reducing people's risk. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then, um, 
Go ahead. And then I also just wanted to mention one more time, so if anybody's interested in clinical trials, they can go to the association and get information and form, create a profile for trial match because mm-hmm. as we're getting more money for research, the next big hurdle is getting people to participate in research. So that becomes even more important. So with trial match, they fill out a profile and then we contact them and let them know about clinical trials in their area that are looking for people like them. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's very important, especially with the high blood pressure. I'm I'm uh, aware of that. I know as the high blood pressure increases, of course, uh your a person's risk for stroke would increase and also that uh if they do have a, a stroke that that would um interfere with different uh brain cells and also that would right. weaken uh the brain. So, um exactly. I know I I know you have uh, understand that there is some very exciting uh, things happening, and you have a walk to end Alzheimer's coming up in Howard County. So could you tell us uh, more about that? Yes, thank you for asking, Gail. So the Howard County Walk is one of six walks organized by the Greater Maryland Chapter, and it's one of more than 600 walks nationwide. Uh, Walk to End Alzheimer's is our largest event to raise awareness and funds for Alzheimer's care and support and research. So the Howard County Walk will be held on September 22nd at Centennial Park, and every registration is at 9 o'clock, and the walk begins at 10. And it's not too late to register to walk or to start a walk team, or even if you want to come out and volunteer, we need you. So just give us a call. We'd love to have you be a part of what we're doing there. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely. That's a great way for uh, people to get involved and raise money And uh, because, like I said, just about everyone knows someone who has Alzheimer's, and as we age, we have to consider yourself. So you want to get out right. and uh, help us to raise, help help the association raise money and, and awareness of uh, what can be done. Um, so um, what advice do you have, Eileen, for family caregivers who are dealing with this disease? Because there's so many people that are, um, I know you had given some uh, advice earlier, but could you uh, quickly give us some uh, advice for family caregivers as they're dealing with this disease? Sure. Uh, Again, I just want to remind people to keep that 800 helpline number handy, 800-272-3900. We have live dementia experts available 24 hours a day, and they can answer a very wide variety of questions. So just keep that handy. But in Mm -hmm. addition to that, I would strongly encourage caregivers to become educated about the disease, go to an educational program where you can learn more about it, how it changes, and how to manage the challenging behaviors, even how to communicate with someone who's lost their ability to use their words to communicate, because they're still communicating, even if they're not talking, they're communicating. And it's a special skill to understand what they're trying to tell you. Uh, Support groups, again, very, very helpful. Um, And then for newly diagnosed people, I would say stay active, stay engaged in community life, um, get involved in an early stage program somewhere. And we have some really exciting, new, innovative early stage programs, including a monthly program at the zoo called Walk on the Wild Side, where once a month a a trained um, zoo employee takes individuals on a tour. Last month they spent a lot of time with the penguins. They even got to touch the penguins. It was really cool. 
Um, oh, the Walters yeah. Art Museum has a specially trained trained docent who leads a monthly tour of the Walters Art Museum. Mm-hmm. We have some specialized uh, fitness classes. There's a local gym that has some programs. Um, there are also memory cafes, and this is strictly social. It's a place where people can go with their care partner and just be comfortable, be around other people who are going through what they're going through and not be embarrassed if they forget somebody's name three times in a row it's all just a very welcoming atmosphere so i would just say get involved look at the services even go online look at alz.org we even have an online community called all's connected where people sometimes will just post a question and then 10 people will answer and say well this is how i dealt with that so there's (laughs) lots and lots of good information um online as well okay wonderful yeah i know when you were sharing about uh how to communicate if your loved one is uh, has the disease and is repeating themselves. I remember my grandmother used to always say, I, I have to go home, I'm ready to go home. Of course, she was already home, and we did not uh, know that you shouldn't. So we were like, oh, no, you're, you're already home. You know, so now you're saying, okay, you're letting us know, my listeners, that really you should agree with them so that it doesn't upset them. So this, I mean, you have shared so mm-hmm. much Wonderful, powerful information this morning, Um, Eileen. I do want to thank you, and I want to uh, see if you can come back in the near future and share share with us. Don't be a stranger because I know there's always something new coming, uh, happening with the Alzheimer's Association. So we want to uh, be to keep updated with what's going on with the association. So um, as we begin to close out, uh, any final remarks that you would like to leave with uh, with our listeners? Well, I would just like to say anybody who's interested in getting involved with the association, we'd love to have you. We have lots of opportunities. We always need volunteers for however long, whether you have a once-a-week time slot open or once a year if you want to come out and help us with a special event like the walk or even if you want to be trained to deliver community education. We have Mm -hmm. a lot of volunteers who have been trained and are out teaching uh, families how to deal with the communication problems or manage behaviors or what are the ten signs or We have a program they teach called Healthy Living for the Brain and Body, which all of us should um, take advantage of. Um, We have support groups. So anyway, Uh anyone who would like to get involved, get in touch with us. Uh, Okay. Thank you so much. And uh, do you want to give out the website one more time as we close out? Yes. The website is alz.org. Thank you so much, Eileen. You have a wonderful day. Join us for the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's. Go to alc.org slash walk to register for an event near you. Together, we can end Alzheimer's. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye.